The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debate. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today, my guests on Off the Shelf are Jason Miller. Jason is the executive editor at Federal News Network. And Bill Gormley, who is the president of the Gormley Group and chairman of the Coalition for Government Procurement. And, you know, it's December. It's the holiday season. And then it's time for that uh, good old end of year radio show where you talk about what happened, what didn't happen, and what it all means and put it all together. So... Um, I'm going to start, I think, with GSA, of course, and there's been a lot going on at GSA in 2018. Um, many folks have called it the year the, of the GSA schedules program. So, uh, Bill, Jason, I'm just going to open it up. Thoughts on 2018 and GSA? Bill, you're the expert. <laughs> I'm the expert. I, I, what, wait. So, am I? This is a year in review, or is this? Is that, are we looking yeah, backwards? Yeah, this or is forwards? our. Re- this is our year in review. I, I kind of right. like to look forward, but we can talk a little bit about history if you want here. So I well, think the schedule. Those who uh, uh, <laughs> d- don't understand history, uh, you know. Tend to repeat are, the mistakes yeah, of sorry, the past. Condemned so. to repeat it. So, so I'll go first since <laughs> Bill is uh, 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 reluctant, uh, lightly footing the, 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 the front <laughs> word there. Uh, you know, Roger, I, I would say that it's not just the year of the GSA schedule when I, when I look at GSA. I think GSA has come to the point where they've created a good foundation. They've brought some consistency back. I think Alan Thomas, uh, coming from industry, spending a full year in the role as Federal Acquisition Service Commissioner, has really put some good pieces in place, has moved some pieces of people around, and has some really smart ideas moving forward. And I think a lot of that is driven both from Emily Murphy, the administrator of GSA, because of her deep procurement background, but at the same time, I think Alan, with his work from when he was in DOD and his work in industry, has obviously his own ideas. And I, and I think it's more than just the, the schedules, but I know for your audience and for what, what I cover day in and day out, the, the schedules are probably the, the top priority when we talk about GSA and FAS. Now, Bill, we should ask Bill now what's, gonna, what's 2019 going to look like since Bill never <laughs> thinks of history. Yeah, I don't think it. Well your credit, Jason, you raised a couple of nice points there. Alan, uh, in his uh, initial vision statement, as far as the Federal Acquisition Service, said that he wants to get uh, systems in place for order writing and for procurement. And admittedly, he knew this was going to be a heavy lift. And he says, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take this on and I probably won't even be here to, to reap any of the rewards. So I think that it sends good, the right message. Yeah, and it's right? a good sign of leadership. I mean, it's not you know I, I want it done while I'm here. I mean, he 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 wants it done because it's the right thing to do. And Jay-Z mentioned you know Alan's been in the other side here in industry, so he recognizes the you know some voids as far as uh, things that need to be addressed. So some of the heavy heavy lifting, not sexy, however, very um, directly affected as far as efficiencies and also just aligning the the uh, the acquisition arm of GSA and the schedules program in the right direction to more commercial practices. So having said all that, it's still it's basic products and services and solutions under the schedules program and it 
it's taken, uh, I don't know, Roger, how long you've been with the coalition, but, you know, we had o- ODCs. Now order level materials. So we right changed the name to get it passed. 2011, so we, we started working 2011. on 2011. Yeah. So, you know, when we talk about schedules modernization, we hope it doesn't take that long. Right. But, it, but to that, I think that raises a good point, though, because now it was executed within the last year. And I think that goes a lot to, um, Jason, you brought it up, Emily Murphy's leadership of the agency. And I, you, Jason, you make a great point that it's not just a schedules program. It's across the board. I think there's a greater sense of trust um, and faith in GSA. You know, GSA has given a central role in IT modernization, the IT modernization fund. Um, DOD and GSA right now have a great re- working relationship, as you can see it from you know, creating, you know, the priority for Oasis in particular, that particular contract vehicle. So there's a lot to look to, to GSA in terms of its role and, and the, the faith that people have in it. And, and given the authority for Section 846 to, to essentially implement that, that's another vote of confidence as well. And I thought, also think it's important that when you look at the procurement landscape out there, you know, there's no OFPP administrator you know, as a, an appointee, there's acting, Leslie's acting. Emily um, knows procurement, like you said, and is probably the, in the civilian side, the highest ranking political appointee um, who is a procurement expert, frankly. So there's a lot of the sort of thought leadership, I think, coming out of GSA right now. One of the things that I think Bill brought up that's also important to kind of dig into is the system side. I had a very interesting conversation with Alan Thomas several months ago now, where he talked about his goals around the system upgrades and the importance of getting those systems right, because that's a customer service. And I think that's the other thing that has changed with Alan and over the last year or so is that change of focus of the customer. GSA has always said that customers comes first and how important customers are. There were steps that GSA took that maybe were a little head scratching over the years that was not necessarily as customer friendly as they could have been. And I think Alan has has turned that ship to say, no, no, we are going to be more customer friendly and we're not just going to be about can we make quote unquote profit and can we do what the customer needs, because if we do that, then the quote-unquote profit comes. And I know we can't use the word profit in government speak, but let's call it like it is. Right, Bill? You, you know profit. <laughs> right. But I think the IFS, which you're you know, talking, I think putting that, you know, meeting the customer's needs, and I think you're seeing some signs already of large agencies uh, coming to the schedules program for BPAs. And that's where I'm just going to interrupt you. That is the most impressive change that I would highlight. Uh, in, in fact, uh, I'm, I'm working on a hint, hint, Roger, working on a story on this about it's FBI, it's DISA with DIOS. There was three or four of them. That NetSense. NetSense was another one. Yeah. Huge change in, in the in the proliferation of these redundant contracts that we've right. been complaining about for years. Sorry, Bill, go. But that's fine. And so what the part, one of the, the, the misnomers that's got a a trail of history is the, the price reduction clause. So the key on the schedules program, people, you know, it's the the quick throwaway statement uh, is that I can always get a better deal. Well, then the schedules, the key is the schedules host the cap- that function that you can get a better deal based on your requirement. So hopefully when you do your, your story, you look into it, you know, Jason, you're going to see that people are getting a better deal. And I think that is becoming the the attractiveness that there's still ownership from a buyer standpoint of uh, meeting their needs and getting their agency uh, the solution they want. 
And it's you're dealing with this at the end of the day, you're dealing with the same industry, whether you do your own IDIQ or you <laughs> schedule spur. I mean, this is no mystery here. And I think that is the I think uh, Alan is out there talking about it, you know, from a customer standpoint and doesn't mind interfacing with him and, and, and can face the question of, you know, hey, we can always get a better deal. He he understands that there's tools to use that allows the customer to get a better deal instead of in the past GSA was having to defend, you know, what their pricing was. And it's not, you shouldn't defend your price. You should promote the opportunity to get a better price. And I think that's based on that's leverage, leveraging the requirements. Just, right? I, I think that's a commercial, uh, well, yeah, commercial, commercial practice, term, yeah. right? <laughs> Easy, efficient and modern, right? That's Alan's uh, slogan. The other piece just related to that is as agencies see that they can get a, a good, as good or better deal is also the, Confidence, I think Roger pointed this out, of IT modernization has really lifted the GSA, mm. uh, FAS, but the schedule specifically. They're adding all these you know, special item numbers, and they're realizing they probably over-added special item numbers. But the fact is that if you think about cybersecurity, and, and OMB recently released their high-value asset update, uh, new policy rescinds, one from 2016, that talks about how agencies should really protect their crown jewels they expanded the definition and they said you need to have a third party do an assessment and then help you with your vulnerabilities. And you can go to a third party that doesn't have to be DHS by using the GSA SINs for the highly adaptive cybersecurity services, which again, that reinforces the confidence that OMB has with GSA and DHS has with GSA and they have with industry to do this work versus we're going to set up a new contract and that's going to be for the special services that only the snowflakes can use. And, and you've seen right. that too many times over the years. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. For yes. Sure. And I would say, you know, you mentioned, uh, ODCs or OLMs. I think that's, if there's a more potentially, I wouldn't say profound, but market expanding contract duplication, reducing a measure out there because they, now it allows, uh, across all the schedules because with cons- schedules consolidation that's going to expand every you know sector of the schedules program have they announced that um they said they said at the industry day that that's one of the things that it was that was going to eventually expand into so that olms can be across the schedules program i mean i think it's, it's probably not. so i so think no. to, your, to your point it, it, it only makes sense to some of jason's points to some of what we're talking about here what you want to do is keep everything standard as friendly as possible and to have one-offs as far as where you can use OLMs would be totally confusing to the customers. So that that's an area that GSA should walk its talk, I guess, on this one, right? And it, and right. it should just be applied to everything on your schedule. Right. Roger, what are you hearing about OLMs or Bill? What are you guys hearing about OLMs? Are they contractors are excited about it? I hear from major companies. You know, I can tell you when I first came to the coalition, the first issue they brought to my attention is the lack of the ability, which for commercial item contracting was already there, the ability to add materials to an order like computers or something that um, you needed to perform the work if you're a service contractor that isn't necessarily priced day in and day out on your contract, but based on that unique requirement, you need it. So solutions, complete solutions, instead of having to go to schedules for one piece of it, some open market transaction for another piece of it, that complete solution from one belly button is hugely attractive for customer agencies and contractors see the opportunity for a lot of growth and transactions under the program. The key is the training and education of customer agencies and how to use it, and even uh, within GSA training contracting officers to better understand it. So you know what? We're already up on the break. 
And when we come back, we'll continue our discussion a little bit about GSA. You know, there was the industry day that GSA had uh, last week, focusing on schedules and e-commerce. Can um, I ask you a legal question when we come back? Yeah, sure, okay. you can. Uh, but my guests today are Jason Miller, he's the executive editor for Federal News Network, and Bill Gormley, president of the Gormley Group. And you are listening to Off the Shelf on the Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on the Federal News Network. My guests today are Bill Gormley, he's the president of the Gormley Group, chairman of the Coalition for Government Procurement, and Jason Miller. Jason is the executive editor for the Federal News Network. I'm trying to get that FNN down, like CNN. I know. I can tell. That's pretty impressive. I'm working on it. I'm working on it, Jason. So this segment, I I think we'll talk. We're talking GSA, so we might as well continue that conversation and talk about. uh, But but Bill had a legal question. Oh, did you? No, no, no. no. How much does Roger charge (laughs) per hour? Roger's a lawyer. He hadn't stopped talking yet. How much does he? I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. It's a 15-minute interval. I said have a quick, quick legal question. No, sure, sure. So on the OLMs. Yes. Is is there a uh, there there's a need or there's a requirement that it, there has to be competitive the OLM? He took his uh, glasses off and he's rubbing his brow. <laughs> so you know that's how he adds that 15 minutes increment. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you're being recorded. Too, that's right. To Ching. To Ching. So Bill, I think uh, I don't have the rule right in front of that's me, right. but I think yeah. below the simplified acquisition threshold, you can which is 250,000 now, you can go you you have one, I think above that you're supposed to look at three and provide the documentation to the ordering activity. Just let me finish. And then, uh, but then also if you have an approved purchasing system, you know, some of the stuff gets waived. So Does I, that I, answer your question? Sort of. Well, it's part, because it's, it's kind of like you're there. There's a need for industry to, to prove there's been uh, multiple sources they've gone to, to get the pricing determined fair and reasonable. Yet when the In some instances, yes. and yet when the government's buying outside of OLMs, they're always looking for competition. So it's just kind of, yeah, it's, it's just, it, but, it's, but it's thought, almost like a two standard here. And but I thought all, but OLMs I, was just the ability for an agency to buy services with their, with their products. What is the competition rules still matter? Don't they? Oh, no, the way, so, so now we're really getting, we're going to get down well, in the weeds. Like, why are we going we're in this direction? Rooms, we're going to go to the boiler room. So, <laughs> so under commercial item contracting, um, and as after this, the services acquisition reform act, reform act, Sarah? you know, yeah, they added, um, they sort of blessed the concept of commercial services through statute. But one of the things that implemented was the ability to include other direct costs on an order. So you have a service contract. And you have the services priced out, RLAs, whatever. But then you get the order level. There's miscellaneous things that you don't necessarily price on your contract, but may be necessary uh, to perform the work um, or to support the effort. So those things can be acquired on a sort of a pseudo cost basis. I mean, you have to go out and get, you know, some pricing for materials and get that and present that, and um, you get reimbursed for your acquisition cost for that. Um, and then you can negotiate a, uh, some certain for indirect costs to cover your sort of overhead and stuff, but it's a some certain, like $1,000. And you can acquire miscellaneous services, too, that you may not have specifically articulated and priced on your contract. So it's sort of for that stuff that would not necessarily be priced in a contract but are ne- but is needed at the requirement That's why Bill said that you're creating these two separate but e- unequal. And so uh, OMs, is that can't be more than a third or something like that? Yeah, or? it's one-third of right. the dollar value of the order. So, so you just think about us three folks here who know a little bit about it, how it's like government acquisition. You have to interpret all this stuff. And so their training is required. Absolutely. And that's going to be the key to a success. So, I mean, that, that's all. I'm just trying to – 
I, w- I wish it could just be easier. You know what I mean? Easy, efficient, right. and modern. 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 That's right. Yeah, that's okay. All right. What else? So you yeah, man, you just really we really got way way <laughs> down in the weeds. I don't know. Do Roger, get... I had a question about <laughs> far part nine. nine. Okay. Section <laughs> E. No, Subsection. He'll answer. <laughs> 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 okay, so keep the uh, listeners tuned in. So try to get back on topic. Um, so uh, last week GSA had its uh, industry day, where the morning session focused on um, the future of the GSA schedules program. It was moderated by uh, Stephanie Shutt, who's heading up that effort. In the afternoon session, talked about the commercial platform initiative phase two, which is. They're putting together a report. They've got a proof of concept RFI out there, GSA does. Um, and they tied these two things together, um, which I think is interesting. So, Bill, any thoughts, your impressions about that meeting? Well, yeah, I think the uh, – let me just start with the modernization for the schedules program. I think it's uh, you know credit to GSA to resurrect the idea of having one schedule. It was called cor- it was called corporate contracting. <laughs> about, no, who came up with that idea? About though? twenty years ago. But anyway, as anyway, it's good. Hey, come on, let's let's say we're, there, there's an action item. They've right. staffed it. And I think the key is, you know, the it's gonna take the leadership to help work through all this because there's obviously going to be, you know, regional perspectives on this. But at the end of the day, you know, to Jason's earlier point and in, in this session here is is the customer and part of the customer you know, three-legged stool here so to speak and there's the industry and also you know gsa and its customer base so i think keeping that in mind is going is to be imperative to get this thing you know implemented and once it gets started even for industry you know there's going to be folks within industry that have certain uh, pnls and divisions that that they are going to want to keep separate so you know, it's going to get back to the system side. There's going to be an organizational behavior change. There's also going to be a system aspect of this. So how do you categorize the schedules? If you think of it as a traditional mall concept of, of the schedule, and then within there you have the stores, and some of the stores are going to be competing and carrying things. So there, there's going to be that IT acquisition system side that's going to be very, and I think that's where yeah, that's Stephanie the, was. That's the proverbial other side of the coin, yeah, right? You know, right. you got to, you know, you can modernize yeah. and transform yeah. the contracts. Yeah. You have to do the systems at the same time. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to succeed at the, yeah. at the end of the day. I think Alan and, and folks at GSA recognize that. I mean, when I had the initial call with GSA when they we decided to talk about the schedules consolidation. The systems piece was a, a big part of that call. And I, and I think that they know that if they bring everyone together under one schedule but can't support it, they, they're not any more successful than they were previously. The one thing that stands out to me with the consolidation in, in many ways is, and Roger, I think you, you brought this up years ago to me, and I always thought it was, it was a really strong point, is the, your grocery store analogy, right? Grocery stores sell toothpicks. They don't really necessarily make a lot of money off toothpicks, but they get you through the door because they know you'll eventually buy toothpicks, but then you'll buy the beer or the soda or the bread or whatever else where they do make their bigger volume buy. Will this schedule change? And, and I don't know what the answer is, and I don't know if you guys will either. Will this impact their grocery store mentality or will it help them? I mean, do you get a sense? I think it will help them in the long run just for that reason, but it also instead of having to go into separate stores, so to speak, for the toothpicks versus, right, it's all in one place if it's done yeah, it's done effectively to be people to see it. Um, you know, it breaks down barriers between schedules even that exist, uh, you know, where you have the duplication of line items because one schedule thinks it's, it should have the, a particular capability. 
another scheduled presenter wants the same capability. It's, as you break that down, it makes it more efficient and easier. Should make it easier for people to find the toothpicks, the beer, the chips, you know, the soda, all that good stuff. I'm getting hungry. Yeah, so why don't we just hit the, hit the off button and come back? And anyway, so as far as it'll also increase competition, which I think is something people don't really focus on. But under under eBuy as it's currently structured, if you're not part of that special item number, you can't bid on it or part of that schedule. So all that's should through the system site go away and whoever can respond to that requirement regardless of schedule now so well gsa only gets you know 3.2 responses ever since when i was there we started ebuy to this day it still only gets around three responses so this will increase that opportunity i think significantly and to jason's point or another part of the answer to his point is that i think it's going to increase sales significantly on the schedules program and therefore allow gsa this is my own opinion. Allow them to reduce the IFF because right. the, sale, the sales have been fairly flat on, on yes. the schedules over the last few years. Yeah, and this, this past year, they've actually gone up. They did, yeah. but they've been flat previously. Yeah. But and then also they uh, the IFF issue. I mean, we always talk about how NASA Soup, for instance, can can cut their fee. Why can't GSA? And there's a reason for it. The the scale is a bit different. It's hard to <laughs> right. it's harder to understand yeah. the rationale yeah. sometimes, right. and I, I'm not sure GSA has done a good enough job explaining that that's rationale. I think but that's a fair observation. Yeah, they have. I well, mean, I they could have do a better leadership job. there who can now explain it. Yeah, but hopefully. Yeah. And VA schedules are 0.5, you know, already, and they've been that way for years. Again, a different scale, but still, the VA schedules now account for about 13, 14 billion dollars on an annual basis. For med surge and pharma. And can, I, can I, if you don't mind, your, your toothpick analogy earlier with Roger, it's basically you're going to have some schedules that aren't going to bring in bring in the money to keep the lights on, to use your analogy, but they are necessary to be part of the whole experience and whole needs. And that's that's your different, right? You can't, I think bef- earlier, before Alan got there, they, 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 they were trying to leave everyone a standalone, and it can't be that way. It doesn't work. Well, we're, we're going to take our next break, guys. Uh, my guests today are Jason Miller. He's the executive editor for the Federal News Network. Uh, and Bill Gormley, who's president of the Gormley Group. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about some some related items like category management, maybe a little bit best-in-class contracting. Uh, I'm Roger Waldron, and you are listening to Off the Shelf on the Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on the Federal News Network. Uh, my guests today are Jason Miller, who's the executive editor at, uh, here at Federal News Network, and Bill Gormley, who is the president of the Gormley Group. And before we get to best-in-class contracting, which um, is something I'm looking forward to that conversation, but uh, we, we need to tackle or address uh, the second half of the industry day, which was the uh, discussion of the uh, commercial platform initiative, the phase two of it. There's as Many listeners knows out there there's Section 846, which charged GSA and OMB with creating contracts with e-commerce platforms uh, for the transaction of um, procurement business. Um, And GSA is now in Phase 2. Phase 1, they issued their implementation report. In that report, they specifically identified three different types of e-commerce platforms, e-procurement, e-commerce, and then e-marketplace. There's three different types, and we can talk a little bit about what those are. And now they had the industry day, and they've talked talking about a proof of concept with the e-marketplace 
type platform, um, only one of the three. Um, and I think that's that's actually really worrisome from my understanding that they're only piloting the one instead of piloting all three. Did you get a sense at Industry Day why they decided to go start there versus let's do all three of them? They were asked questions about that uh, in particular because t- there is a great deal of concern uh, in the market right now about that. Um, GSA itself did. They, they identified e-procurement uh, model for a platform, which would basically think about software as a service that writes business rules, goes out and surveys the internet and finds the product, compliant product at particular prices and gives that to the buyer. Then there was the um, e-commerce platform when you think about companies who sell their own stuff on their own websites, under their own label. That's a particular model that's uh, eligible under the statutory definition, just like e-procurement. And the last one is e-marketplace, which is uh, the idea of third-party independent suppliers on a commercial website uh, with their pricing and people choose and may buy from whoever they decide to buy from. Which one does Amazon do? do, you, do you <clears throat> the e-marketplace The e-marketplace one. one. And yes. that's the first pilot. Yes. Okay. I'm just pointing that out, by the way. Well, thank you, Jason. I just want to make sure we're yeah. Well, there's there's still one or two other ones, but I think the key on the the e-commerce side, GSA has has implemented the e-commerce side through the schedules program because there is GSA advantage, and I think GSA is not promoting it from that perspective though. And I think wonder why that is, Bill. Well, I don't know, but I'm I'm just saying. Being why I mean to Jason's earlier point, Alan's done a great job of interfacing with the customer base. I mean, this is a 30 some billion dollar program that's very active and dynamic pricing, very competitive. You know what would help with GSA Advantage and eBuy? Transparency. Maybe if they could just open it up so people like me could see what's in there, I could help get the word out through writing about it, about all the great things that are happening within the program, Bill. Well, I think that would be excellent. Then you're you're speaking right here, so you'll, <laughs> we'll see. See, see who's well, listening. That's here. my see, soapbox. See if you get a call. No, that's and that's fair. And I think I think in fairness, though, it's you know GSA's trying to head in that direction. And I think the the initial question of why e market versus the recognition of the full you know hat trick, so to speak, in the e environment, right? Well, the the problem with this though, Bill, is that when you're going through a proof of concept. In order to do your due diligence, you've got to take a look at it and analyze the, all the different models. There's no requirement for GSA to actually you know, identify and define three different models. They could just put some th- something out there saying, give us your e-commerce solutions. Let us take a look at them. And to get the pluses and the minuses, cost-benefit, strengths, weaknesses, and things they didn't even think about. But to focus on one solely in this environment when you could model or test the e-commerce one, as well as the e-procurement one alongside that. Because, um, you know, it is it is the schedules, but it is still different. It's a different contract vehicle. It's a I, different yeah. different concept, different thresholds for purchasing, data reporting requirements that well, we are different. We haven't gotten to so, agreements at gray market on this either. Yeah, so, means, so and there's a lot of other right. aspects to it. But I think GSA still could drop in. You know, Jason mentioned this earlier, not that it was has been totally successful, but it, you know, it could actually be a sin under the schedules program. Right. It could be the you know, the e-marketplace. And so just have these come. type of services are already on IT Schedule 70, similar, yep. Yep. you know, auction type serve marketplace, you know, services are right. not necessarily market, but it's similar services already on IT 70. 
um, you could put this whole concept under the schedules and manage and, it through that. Right. And that, you know, and that's a commercial item contract. So yep. why not take a shot at it? How much are you guys hearing? And maybe it's a better question for Bill than for Roger on this one, but how much interest on Capitol Hill is there on this topic? We saw the provisions in the 2019 NDAA that kind of modified this approach to e-commerce. We saw the initial provisions, I guess, in 2018 to set it up. I mean, do you expect 2020, 2021 to continue to have these provisions? I mean, that's the real key about how happy or unhappy Congress is, is when you stop seeing provisions in a bill about something that's happening. You know, people get excited about, you know, hey, we let, let's do this. And so, I mean, I think we're in that excitement mode or trying to carry through on the excitement I think the real the reality is, you know, you're going to take this thing off the jack stands and see if it rolls, right? But the key is, we're only having one vehicle out there, and it and it should be. I, I think breaking it down to three is not really a good choice, to be yeah. honest with you, because right. you 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 we we've we've created a, we've it's it, now it's government. It's a definition by government <laughs> yeah. of what is that's e, a great point. E, is e is e something right? And that's why things are kind of. Yeah, who are we? We what's the identity and how have we how have we defined each one? And I and you know, yes, I'm pro schedules, but um, but where it makes sense, this is a commercial area. So why try to def- break it in, in three areas? Because this is right because energy is going to change over time, and so now you know we're, we're going to have a fourth. We're going to go to two. Right. We're going to go to six. So. That I think is going to be drawn by from obviously industry talking to the Hill, but also I think GSA. I think hopefully we'll get to a point of saying, "Hey, let's not rush this through," just to say we've done it by March of next year. So the statute is very broad, and it was intentionally written broadly. And they and the statute talks about multiple contracts for for this. It was written not to exclude solutions. So Bill's got a great point. By the very fact that you go out and def- start defining what's there, you are, by the very nature of creating a definition, excluding someone. To best-in-class contracts. Well, just let me finish this thought. <laughs> this, let me fin- yes, we'll do that. But just let me de- um, just finish this thought is that what GSA de- has done now is G- GSA and the government is defining the commercial marketplace rather than the commercial marketplace defining itself. So then that's something that that you, that rest, is restricting competition. Jason, so your question about best in class? No, I just thought, thought you were giving me a great segue because <laughs> when you're defining something, yes, then you're, you're also excluding, excluding something, something else. And I've always wondered when, when GSA says or OMB says something is best in class, what does it make other things? Worst in class? Mediocre in class? I mean, I, I think I think that that definition is problematic because yeah. even though there are criteria for what best in class means – Really, any contract that is is seen as, hey, we got this to the finish line, we have it stood up, is a best-in-class contract, I I could argue, because it didn't die under its own weight. We've seen so many contracts over the years die under its own weight. Oh, my God, yeah. So from a standpoint that, to your flip it here a little bit, from a customer's perspective, if they don't use, if they use other than best-in-class, then they haven't made the appropriate decision. I mean, it's, it's almost like you're not making the right decision for your agency, which is totally wrong. If it's meeting their needs all the way around from technical and pricing, or best value, it meets their needs. So I think the best in class designation <laughs> is almost like what happened in, in, in the agency years ago. Let's get it right. Does that mean we always got it wrong? And so that you, you're setting yourself up. And I, you know, the, the schedules is under eight point four. 
it says how to order, and when you order under th- that under the farm, then you should be getting your best in class value. And and so you've ostracized, with the exception of like four areas, Roger, I think, in the schedules. Well, that, four BPAs, BPAs already, but yeah. there's like 33 different contracts out, out yeah. there that are designated or or vehicles designated as best in class. Um, yeah, it's a it's a great point. It's well, like you, you know, you know, it is. It's like we used to be used term like mandatory or yeah, uh, yeah, well, you know, or had yeah. priorities in the FAR. Now they can't use those terms, so you're using best in class instead to try to get to the same position. And and, remind, remind me how that worked when they when they designated a, a strategic sourcing thing around office supplies. That worked really well, right? When they designated that as the uh, not mandatory mandatory. Right, right. That worked really well. No, 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 it did not. It's amazing that I always, you know, this is why I love covering this market so much, this community, because I won't call it the same mistakes because this may be a mistake is an unfair word. But you see as things, more things change, the more they stay the same and, and you get similar stories. And the older I get, the more historical and, and you guys are much more experienced than I am. Uh, so me we're younger. <laughs> you can take it that way. Um, but you see that you see you can bring that historical context and call it out in a way to say, hey, you tried this before. You really should think about maybe turning the ship a little left or a little right instead of going over the same path. Mark Foreman said it, Beth, stop paving the cow path. Right. Well, this all goes back to, like, you remember Dan Gordon had that memo about... Mythbusters. Uh, yeah, not Mythbusters, the other That's one. That's a good about, one, too. Yeah, yeah. Right, but the idea of, you know, where you either set up a whole system for reviewing contracts, the, right? The and making duplication the, issue, yeah, yeah. The duplication issue. Well, that you know, that was a process that never got... So, I mean... Yeah, you know, I give them credit. They're trying to, you know, they're using marketing in a certain sense, right? Best in class. But the the flip side of it is like you are excluding people, and you know, and there's not and the one thing there isn't enough in the best in the whole concept is results. The measurements are not based on results; they're based on process. But I think the government is no different than the commercial market. Once you start talking about what you do, people will move away from it. And I think GSA got away from talking about the schedules program for about. For a number of years, I'll just put it that way. And in fact, they they were talking against it, which is which from a customer standpoint. Now, now they've turned it around, and I think that's where you can get the best in class categorization again. Right. So, okay, guys, we got to take the break. My guests today are Jason Miller, he's the executive editor for Federal News Network. Uh, Bill Gormley, who's the president of the Gormley Group. Um, I'm Roger Waldron, and and this is off the shelf on the Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on the Federal News Network, FNN. And my guests today are Jason Miller. He's the executive editor at the Federal News Network. And Bill Gormley, president of the Gormley Group, chairman of the Coalition for Government Procurement. This segment will touch, I think, lightly a little bit on um, OFPP. I know that's one of your favorite topics, Jason. And then if we can, a little bit on JEDI. And then hopefully just a little bit, one thought from you guys on what to look for in 2019. Jason, your thoughts on OFPP? OFPP, Office of Federal Procurement Policy, is one of those, what I'll call, most underrated parts of government. Whenever you you see a new administration come in and they go to name DHS and DOD and Treasury, and they forget about the important parts of government that actually make the government work, places like GSA, places like OMB and, and OFPP, places like OPM. I think the fact that we have not had a permanent Senate confirmed OFPP administrator in more than two years is just ridiculous. I think it's short-sighted on this administration, and I think that they're missing a great opportunity with this IT modernization effort that's going on to ensure that a procurement piece 
led by a someone who understands procurement is there and and part of that being a partner in it. And this is nothing against the people who are there now. Leslie Field, the deputy administrator, Matthew Blum and Joni Newhart and, and people like that are doing an excellent job. But there is something to be said, and I've heard this many times, that when the person is Senate confirmed, they bring a gravitas to the position that a career person just can't do. And and, and I think it's 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 just unfortunate, Roger. Bill? Ditto what Jason said. I mean, every organization needs leadership. And that creates the vision and the opportunity for people to act off that vision and to have and to be out in the and be out in this case with the agencies and industry and 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 be able to represent that position as, as the as the head person. And I think that that creates a void to to Jason's and point. I would love to be maybe it's time that we bring up that maybe we make OFPP a career position and not a Senate confirmed one. And maybe they have to change the OFPP Act. Maybe it's something this administration asked Congress to do. I'm sure. The, no one can barely spell procurement in, in Congress anyway. So I'm sure they would just – Jerry Connell could throw it in on, on an NDA to get passed because no one reads those bills anyways, and it would be done. Maybe we just make it make it a career position. Roger's shaking his head. That's just not going to happen, Jason. It's, it's just, they're not maybe, it's time, maybe it's time we bring it up to, yeah. to have the conversation. Right. right. Yeah. Well, but the other thing I think, just real quickly, I think there's a – it is a missed opportunity because – Think if you had the and it always is who's the right person. But if you had the right person in place there to work with the team they have over at GSA, because OPP, OMB, and GSA do work very closely together, it could be a powerful combination in terms of moving you know the ship of government in the procurement world. It, it would be an, um, an unity of effort, yeah, it would, an accelerator, it would be an accelerator yeah. of acquisition reform yeah. and improvements. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Done with that topic. Speaking of accelerator of acquisition, may the force be with you. Okay. Um, So um, we've seen the Jedi solicitation issued. There's been litigation around it. There's still ongoing litigation. Um, Any thoughts or observation on what you've seen, Jason? I'll start with the fact that I think the biggest problem that the Defense Department's having with their Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure Program is the lack of communication. Now, DOD will tell you we got a thousand comments. We held industry day with 500 people, but that does not mean good communication has happened. And I think that if they could explain themselves a little better and explain what they're really going to be doing, because there's a lot of confusion, you know, uh, deputy secretary of defense, Shanahan said, Oh, it's a pathfinder 20%. But then you read the case that Oracle brought against uh, the defense department and GAO's decision. And in it, DOD says, well, 80% now are going to sit right on top of it. And then they start talking about this purpose fit versus general fit cloud. So all of these terms are, are kind of morphing, evolving, and, and that's great. I think that's the way it should be. But DOD is, is not doing a good enough job of getting out in front of the message. And I think that's why there's so much angst in industry and, and now across DOD. And if you talk to the people in the Army or the Navy or the Air Force, the ones I've talked to said, yeah, it's we'll use it if it makes sense, but we're not going to move everything to Jedi. So there's also that piece that I think that they're not doing a good enough job. And I think this this initially falls on the people who who led Jedi, but now it falls to, I think, the DOD CIO, Dana Deasy, who's doing a better job of communicating. But I still think that that's where the big fault is happening. And that's why Oracle and IBM are, are, have filed lawsuits because of a lack of communication. And I, and I think yeah. this, I'm not going to dwell on it, but OFPP have had a leadership there and politically would help usher this to some decision-making process that I think to go to one provider in DOD, I think has said it would be 
too too much effort to have more than one provider. I mean, what's the effort now they're putting in it? I think having two is is pretty much recognized as a commercial practice. So, DoD, I think to go solo here, I don't. I think uh, having been in the, having been in government for a long time, but also having been in the military, you know, you you do have backup plans, and I think to go solo here would 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 not. I I just I, I would disagree with it. Yeah, I think it was remarkable in the in the decision actually in the bid protest that DOD basically said it was too hard to have multiple contracts. So, and to your point about communication, that sends a message to everybody out there too. Is like you're really not. I mean, you have multiple clouds across the department between the eighty percent comment that came out in the decision and the comment that it's too hard to have multiple. What do they expect the companies to think about where they're going and what they're doing with the market? I mean, it's to your point the communication, like what's the, what do you really mean and what are you trying to do and why are you trying to do it in a, talk about it in a coherent manner. And, and, and it's got to make good business sense. Yeah. And what interests me is, is to, to see how the folks that are running the DOS program, which is for their back office, you know, collaboration, word processing, spreadsheet type of stuff, that's a, just as big as a cloud contract and $8, $8 billion that being moved to GSA, how that communication is going to be different. And in fact, at the industry day for DOS, I asked that question. I said, well, instead of asking them about Jedi, because I knew they wouldn't answer that, I said, well, what lessons are you learning from this experience? And unfortunately, again, uh, and I told the gentleman who answered that, that you know, I didn't think his answer was all that great. He <laughs> said, you know, well, we're not, we're not really too worried about Jedi. I mean, we're doing our own thing. And it's kind of like, mm, you better communicate to industry the saying you're paying close attention to Jedi and, and, and all their challenges we're trying to avoid. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yep. So w- real quickly, guys, um, any just one thought for 2019 in the procurement world? Well, one is uh, we focus a lot on GSA, so I think they've got a lot on their table under the to-do list, and I think to Im- begin implementation, and hopefully we'll see the uh, during the process we'll 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 shed more light on this the the whole e- e-commerce side. I think that's could do a better job on figuring that out, and on schedule side, hats off to them. I think that they're clearly in the right direction. I don't know where to start. There's so much, Roger. But I'll, I'll pick up on one one piece here that we haven't touched upon, other transaction authority. I think OTAs are going to be something to watch for in 2019, both from how they're being used, not just in DOD, but how they spread into the civilian world, and the oversight that now is going to come from what I say is the, not misuse, but maybe overuse of OTAs for what their real intent is, and Will the OTA people running these consortiums and will DOD, who's using a lot of these OTAs, message it the right way to get Congress to relax or will Congress turn up the oversight and all of a sudden we'll get a provision in the NDA that says, like LPTA, you went too far, you got to bring it back. Right. Yeah, guys, that's, those are great, great things. I'm gonna, I'm gonna save mine. You gonna save for, really? for 2019? Really? <laughs> okay, how about that? And I, I won't be wrong that way, right? There you so, go. I want to thank my guest today, Jason Miller, executive editor for Federal News Network, and Bill Gormley, president of the Gormley Group. I'm Roger Waldron, and you've been listening to Off the Shelf on the Federal News Network. You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.
To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.